the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily. I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Detroit Tigers defeated the Minnesota Twins 8-7 this past Wednesday. Riley Green blasted a two-run homer to plate Akil Badu, and Spencer Torkelson smoked a solo tater in the third inning. Green tripled to send home Badu. Matt Veerling hit a ground ball to score Riley Green. Torkelson crushed a solo moonshot, and Kerry Carpenter clobbered a solo jack four innings later, and Green hit a sacrifice fly to plate Akil Badu in the ninth inning to round out the Tigers' scoring. The first and last Detroit pitchers, Reese Olsen and Jason Foley, combined to allow all seven runs in three and two-thirds innings, while Bo Brisky, Tyler Holton, Alex Lang, and Will Vest compiled five and one-third scoreless innings. In curling news, the renovation of a Las Vegas building that will become an Olympic curling facility is going to begin next month and will be completed by March of next year. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And good afternoon, curling in Las Vegas. I knew it would come a time where uh, all of a sudden people will be gambling on that sport. It's just a matter of time. It just had to happen. Hey, folks, uh, Pastor Rick here. We have a lot of stuff to cover. There is no way that we can cover everything that I'd like to talk about today in one hour or 10 hours or even. Oh, it's something that we need to have a conversation with on daily. Um, before we get started, I want you all know my my view on abortion. You know that I am firmly against it, that I see it as murder. And we talk about that side of abortion often. But I want to look at a different side, something that we don't consider much. And I, I have to tell you, I've been struggling on how to how to deal with and how to open the show. I have a wonderful guest. You'll be on with us in a second um, who help young ladies that are pregnant. But uh, I want to sit there. Why, why do we live in a society where women face that decision on whether or not to terminate their, the life of their child? I can think of so many different scenarios, such as uh, a young girl. Let, let's face it. When, when, let, again, I told you I'm struggling how to start this. When men are young, they, they, are, they are driven by one thing, and that's their hormones. That's just... just just how men operate, boys operate. 
I'm going to stress it again. Boys operate on that one level. They they often will misconfuse or mistranslate the, what their hormones is telling them for love. And then somewhere in the line, a young lady might feel that to show her love, because that's the only way this young boy could understand her love, is give of herself. And then what happens is she gets pregnant. She tells that young man, that boy, that she's pregnant. He panics, and the first thing he's doing is he's leaving and running. Now this girl's got this whole scenario in her head. What am I going to do? I'm a teenager. I have a child. I'm going to have a child. I'm pregnant. And oh, my, my parents are ultra conservative and religious people. I can't tell them. I have. I can't talk to them. I can't talk to the pastor. The pastor is just going to just really, it's going to be all judgment all over the place. What do I do? So I'm going to go talk to my teacher and my teacher will tell me what to do. And the teacher is trained to say, hey, go have an abortion. Your parents will never find out. And they have to struggle through this. Young ladies have abortion, deal with depression afterwards. They deal with guilt. They deal with all sorts of things. And, and really, they start fighting for this. And what they what they start doing is they start trying to self-justify. And what I want to talk about is, is what is going through, what kind of things are running through a young lady's mind to... Um, to come to this type of decision. Now, my guest, I, I don't believe has ever been in that situation, but she deals with girls every day that had to make that decision. And luckily with my guest, she offers them some hope. Could you imagine being a, a, a young woman just found out that you're pregnant, you're, 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 your parents kick you out and you have nowhere to go, nowhere to have help. Kara, wonderful woman. I, I just, she's, she's like my family. I say this every time I have her on, I look her at, at, as, as my niece. Um, and she is just so passionate about what she does. She's, I mean, the passion she has for these women are, I would, is almost worrisome. I mean, she, she devotes her life to her family, to God and, and this cause. And thankfully, I think she will have some insight from how she's dealt with these uh, young ladies and everything else that can help us in this conversation. I want to bring on, uh, first I'll introduce my co-host, Ed Bonreka. How are you doing, Ed? I am just fine. If I were any better, medicine would be taking me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You've never heard that before, have you? Kind of. You just switched vitamins for medicine. I've seen what you did there. Uh. <laughs> yeah. No, I, are you going to ask me how I'm doing? How are you doing? I am so great, but I'm not going to make you kiss my ring today. Um, <laughs> there we go. Okay. Hey, let me introduce my my wonderful guest. Um, and I and I do appreciate, I really do appreciate her coming on and helping us through this conversation. Like I said, it's not a conversation that can be had in an hour. But hopefully you can get people talking about it. Uh, Kara, uh, how are you doing, Kara? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I... I, I I am doing so good. I just might make Ed kiss my ring. Um, <laughs> uh, you you uh, you founded and uh, are running Sela uh, Center of Hope. This is uh, you have now two houses in Monroe to help young ladies that are pregnant, and uh, it's, it's remarkable. But I know it's time consuming, and um, and I appreciate you finding the time to be on with me today. Not a problem. And uh, so you, you you deal with young ladies who had to come to terms and make a choice on to have the baby or not. And I'm sure you've had some that you've talked to that uh, when they first come in, uh, they might be abortion minded. Yes. Yeah. 
What what when when you talk to these young ladies, uh, what is running through their mind? What what's their concerns, their worries? I, what I'm trying to figure out is we spend so much time pointing fingers, saying abortion is bad, abortion is murder, and everything else. We don't consider what these young ladies are going through. It can't be an easy decision. I can't even believe for a moment that it's an easy decision. So I want to know what's going through their mind because maybe if we understand it, maybe we can actually find a way to help them. Like, like you're trying to do. Yeah. So um, what we encounter most of the time um, when a woman is struggling with that decision, there's a lot of shame involved, and that is brought on either by the church or by their significant other or their parents, aunts and uncles, whoever their support system is. Um, and then a lot of hopelessness because they don't have jobs. They don't want to ruin a career education-wise. There's so many reasons wrapped around this, and this is just not a problem that affects one um, tier of income level. This is across the board. So there's so many different factors that go into making this decision. It's hard to pinpoint one thing. But one thing that I have found that is across the board is shame and hopelessness. They feel they're losing control of their lives by bringing a life into this world. Well, uh, yeah, and uh, I, you know, I have to be honest with you. When I, when I went through and started searching for all the different reasons, um, it all boils down to the two things. I mean, I can always narrow it down to the two things, shame and hopelessness. Yeah. I always come to those two things. So they, they feel that they have no hope and they're feeling shame. Um, I, I have permission. I had counseled a young lady years ago, Kara, um, who was raped. And uh, she didn't know how to deal with it um, when she tried to. And this is why I always say the pulpit in America is broken. She tried to talk to her pastor. The pastor somehow made her being raped her fault. Yeah. You know? And uh, so now, now she here she is pregnant, and she's not. The pastor doesn't want her coming to church because she will set the wrong picture for uh, for that church. Seeing an unmarried, uh, pregnant teenager in that church would just be terrible. So she's feeling the shame. She's feeling she's feeling ostracized by her community. She's being pushed out. Where does she go? And 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 on top of that, she's raped. So now she's right. trying to figure out some way to fight to have some sort of agency over her own body that was taken from her in the rape. Now she's trying to figure out some way to have agency over her own body and maybe abortion is that answer that they're going through. She's. We have to understand yeah. this is not an easy decision for these girls to make. It's not. And when they're looking to be in control of something and have a immediate answer, an immediate response to the problem, they see this as a fix. What they don't realize and they're not counseled on is the further shame and hopelessness that they endure after having an abortion. And it's very rare to find additional agencies that are addressing that problem after an abortion. It's a very hard subject, um, but it's one that a lot of pregnancy centers are now wrapping around um, their services with providing that hope and counseling afterwards. Yeah, it's, uh, 
Well, generally, when I when I do have debates on abortion and everything else, I, I you've heard my arguments and stuff like that. I, I tell them I will not bring my religion into it until the very end. And that end point is we have a loving and forgiving God. And uh, with that, that person can find hope. It's through that loving and forgiving God. But it's so quick that there are there are churches out there like the one I just described to this one lady. Um, it was her fault for being a being a woman. It was her fault for for uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it was her fault she was raped because she's a woman, and therefore, you know, shame on her. How terrible! Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and not to have that support system that they would turn to the you know the very first time. And I believe the statistic is um, one in four women sitting in the church pews have had abortions. And this is something that is not getting addressed from the pulpit. I heard four in ten. That you, that might be right. What what did I say? <laughs> yep, I think you're right. Yeah. So four, oh, don't encourage that, him, please. <laughs> so, um, and and I will say that the church can do a lot better way of handling and dealing with it. With when a young lady finds her in the situation of being pregnant. Uh, I think the churches need to find a better way of, and a healthier way of dealing it with, because we're talking not just about the soul of the young girl and her well-being, but the life of that child also. Right. So we got to be very careful on how we handle this, because there's two lives at stake. Not just the yeah. babies, but that young girls too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, I've seen it time and time again. Um, so... We, we, we find that they have this, you know, shame and everything else. And, and even in this world today, Kara, and we know that in the schools and everything in, in the schools today, uh, in public schools, I should say, uh, our, our, our children are hypersexualized to the mm-hmm. point uh, just in what they're taught and what to expect. So now they, they really aren't getting counseled on it. And then uh, next thing you know, we have a lot of girls that are pregnant. They're facing this abortion, and and, and they're trying to deal deal this in a way that they're trying to find self-justification for what they've done. And I, I believe this is another part of the problem is we live in a society that's all about self-justification. It's legal. You can do it. Go ahead and do it. Right? Right. But we don't see anything don't... wrong with it. We're okay with it as a society. But what happens is after the abortion, not just the shame and the hopelessness that you have. Well, the hopelessness is what point I want to key in on, on that after an abortion, is it always follows, it always follows with depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have postpartum blues without having the baby, you know? Right. Uh, and this heavy depression, and many times uh, women carry that, that depression of the loss of that child for the rest of their life. And no one deals with them on that. So what would you say? I, like you said, there's many, many reasons why women have an abortion or you to justify the abortion and go through this and make this choice. Where do we start? Because now we live in a state where it's constitutionally okay to have an abortion. Where do we start in training these women to make them really understand what they're considering? 
Yeah, I think education is the biggest thing here, um, and it starts within our churches, and then the community members of that church know, and then they can go out and interact with people that they know, whether it's in a workplace, um, at the grocery store. You run into these situations everywhere. Um, the sidewalk counseling advocates are amazing. Um they really want to be able to give these other options to the women um, and give them the answers to their fears. So All right, you use the I term, think, I know what it is, and uh, probably most of our listeners know, but I just, just clarify the term sidewalk advocate. Yeah, so there are a group of people who are trained to go out and pray along the sidewalks of the abortion clinics. There's obviously property lines they cannot pass, but they try to, in a loving way, reach out to these women um, before they enter, but they're always there as they exit as well to pray over them, um, to give them resources, even if they went through with the abortion. So we're, you know, we're pro-life from conception to death, and these women going into these clinics matter just as much as that baby, and they need hope and healing as well. So how many, uh, it's always a celebration when we hear that there has been a child, and I don't know if you can give this information out or not, but when, you, when, when we get the information that a child has been born at Sela uh, Center of Hope, um, well, just to, for, this, for the people to know, Sela Center of Hope, which was, uh, uh, kind of like the brainchild of Kara, it started out with a house for a uh, woman who were pregnant without any hope in which she provided some hope for them. Um, and then someone just donated another house. So now they have two houses and uh, for, for these young ladies. Uh, so how many, I, I know, you know, it takes some time for a baby to be born. So it's not like, uh, it's not like a, a puppy mill where babies are born every day. But, uh, <laughs> How many how many babies have, have been born at Sailor Center of House since the short time you've been open? So we have had 17, um, and these women all came to us pregnant, um, and they live with us for about eight months to 10 months. Our program is for a year, but some people move faster through it, and we are providing them with education, life skills, um, if they are coming from situations where they need um, further counseling from trafficking situations and things like that, we also bring those on site to them as much as possible. Very good. And, and uh, you do get sometimes girls that are coming in because of trafficking, trafficking situations. I'm, yes. I'm, yes, we have housed three women from trafficking situations who were pregnant. And the wonderful thing is, is you are trying to help them find hope in that. And you had three from trafficking situations. Folks, we're talking about sexual, sexual trafficking, sex trafficking. Yeah. And these women decide to have their babies because they know that, well, it's not the baby's fault and that they have these babies. And yet you, you find ways to help them find that hope that you were talking about, uh, to find ways to give them direction. Might be another yeah. way to see it. Yeah, and we start off by providing their basic needs. Um, they are in trauma situations um, where they need those needs met immediately. So that's where we start building our relationship and our trust uh, with the clients. And then we're able to bring in the faith aspect of where we know that they will receive the ultimate peace and love 
and identification that they're searching for. Um, and instead of looking for that in a man or an institution or a drug, um, they're able to find that through Christ. Amen to that. And, uh, you know, I know you don't, you are probably one of the most uh, humble people I've ever met, and you don't always take accolades well, but Kara, I have to tell you, uh, I am so very proud of everything you've done uh, with Sailor Center. It's just remarkable. And I've met some of your young ladies, and they, they, you know, they come in with their child and they look happy. I mean, they, they're, they're happy mothers and happy parents that were beforehand in a struggle to find safety and security uh, and, and being pregnant to a fact that they now have a child in their arms and they're happy about it. And this, this is remarkable. Um, how do, if someone needs your help, how do they contact Sailor Center of Hope? Um, they can go to our website. It's sailors.org. And they can find all of our information on there and our housing application. And then we contact them and go through the interview process to enter into our housing program. Uh, and, and not like you don't already have enough on your plate, because you do. You've got a ton on your plate. I know how much time this takes. But just, just a consideration. Has Sailor ever considered bringing in-house uh, something... Uh, like a, a Doppler uh, to get an ultrasound for these parents coming in discussing, or do you send them off to a pregnancy center if they want, if they need an ultrasound? Yeah, if we do have some center clients um, that have reached out to us needing that service and are abortion minded, and I myself um, drive them to a pregnancy center, either local or the one in um, Toledo that we work closely with to give that service to them. So if it takes me picking them up myself, I will. And um, I know how immediate they need this and they need the answers immediately. So I'll drop everything and get to them as fast as I can. So that's something that we, right now, we have very good support systems for that um, within 20, 30 minutes of our location. So we try to utilize those pregnancy centers as much as possible. Um, maybe in the future, God has that in plan for Sela's, but as of right now, we are specifically working on a, our 24 seven housing program. And, and it's a remarkable program. Uh, Thank you. so I, and again, I, and we have to be very careful, um, that we don't cross any lines here, but, uh, do you have any stories that you can share? And if the answer is no, that's okay. But any stories that you can share of women who are coming in struggling back and forth and, and accepted your help and um, how it affected them? Um, well, like you said, it's kind of hard for me to talk about. Um, right. But yes, it's it's been an amazing journey and we have learned so much. And these women have been nothing short of complete inspiration for all of us. Um, we've had women come back to us and just bring their babies and just say, thank you. He wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And um, the, just the continuation of our relationship that we've built with these women who have moved on to their own housing. Um, one has even gotten married. And just, it, just the relationships that you build. And I think that's a testament 
to what we're doing um, at Salo Center of Hope, where they want to continue to be a part of our lives and allowing us to be a part of their lives. It, it's mm-hmm. just—it's a beautiful relationship um, that God has placed on my heart to serve as much as I possibly can. So that's why I give 110% as much as I can. Now, you, you, I think you know a little bit about my uh, my 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 theory on uh, getting getting people some counseling. I'm a firm believer that uh, everybody is searching for meaning in their life, and uh, that meaning has to count for something. And if it's something that yeah. can be taken from you, it's not a strong meaning. But when a young girl gets pregnant, that search for meaning in her life gets totally disrupted. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's now been totally redirected and she doesn't know how to deal with that. And unless there's people like you in the pregnancy centers and how about this, the parents, the parents that are willing to help them, um, they can lose that meaning. Kara, I, I know you're busy. I want to thank you for coming on. We're coming up to our hard break, but God love you and God bless you. And I know you got a lot of work to get to right now. So I'll talk to you some other time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. More with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering, on WAM. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily. I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Detroit Tigers defeated the Cleveland Guardians 4-2 yesterday. Akil Badu hammered a solo homer. Kerry Carpenter singled to plate Spencer Torkelson. And Miguel Cabrera doubled to send home Carpenter in the first inning. Plus, Jake Rogers manhandled a solo four-bagger in the ninth inning to complete the Tigers' scoring. Tarek Skubal allowed one run on three hits, threw 63 of his 88 pitches, four strikes, and amassed seven strikeouts in six innings of work to earn his third victory of the season. Scooble was replaced by Tyler Holton, who tossed a pair of scoreless innings, and Jason Foley, who registered his sixth save of the season, despite giving up a run on two hits in the ninth inning. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue, because I can't do the boogaloo. I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing, and that's why I sing. Give me, give me that thing. We've got to stop them somehow. So in the last half of the show, we talked with Kara Dollar, Stela Center of Hope. You can look up her site at stela.org. Folks, they can always, they, they run completely on, on donations. And they, 17 babies, 17 babies born there. That, that's, that's remarkable. Um, but we've been looking at, you know, some of the stuff these young ladies have got to face when they're in this situation. We just, you know, we just think it's a easy. Uh, I'm going to go to the hospital and have the baby, or I'm going to go to the hospital and have an abortion. It's, it's, you know, but we don't, we don't take into consideration the struggles these young ladies are going through. I'm challenging the churches right now, the pastors, and I know I have pastors listening to this church, to talk to their, to talk to their congregation, to let, let them know that yes. Fornication is wrong, and yes, abortion is wrong. But you, as a as a congregation, will be there for anyone who struggles. I mean, we we chastise and and we lose 
our children so quickly that we don't understand the damage we're doing by not looking at their needs. Um, and we're, we're all sinners. We're all capable of sin. We all sin. We all miss the mark daily. Um, and we have got to be there for them. And we've got to find some way to educate them and to let them know that no matter how dark things are, there's hope. You know, I, I read earlier today a quote. Um, and it's uh, the author's unknown. The quote says, they say it's a lot easier to get the devil to leave when he's knocking at the door versus when you've already let him inside. Um, I, I, I think that's a remarkable quote. I like the way uh, Paul puts it <laughs> in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 10 and, and part of uh, verse 13. He says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will also make the way of escape. Got that? He'll make the way for escape that you may be able to bear it or endure it. The word endure there, you get the idea that it's a race, right? That it's, it's not going to be easy, but he will allow you to endure it. And yes, we all, we all sin, we all fall short, but the, the ability to fight that temptation is there. And I think we need to start teaching our children is, you know, just because you have this physical urge doesn't mean you have to act on it. But folks, if they do, you have to be willing to be there to catch them. God's going to be willing, but they need to know that too. They need to know that God will be there for them if they slip up. Yeah, Ed, go ahead. So I can't hear Ed, so I'll just keep uh, talking because Ed's mic somehow well, cut. You didn't like when I chew my fruit in the microphone, so I muted it. So uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I've often heard it misinterpreted by people to be like, oh, you won't get a uh, third grade quiz, a fifth grade quiz while you're in the third grade. It's like, no, you might actually have to do a thesis right after you get saved. But the beauty of it is, is that the Holy Spirit who indwells you is there to help you get through it and help that help you find the answer to the quiz. And, and there's a way out the door. There, there's a way to escape the temptation. That's there's a way to escape the temptation and to overcome it, exactly. And right. it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit inside you that will help you do that. I... I uh... I said it, I kind of insinuated this to Kara that we live in a state, it's not an insinuation, it's a fact. We live in a state that we have legalized the murder of our children. Kind of kind of reminds me, and this isn't far as far-fetched as some of you might first think. There were five, uh, five missionaries that went down to South America. Ecuador. And they went to give mission to this tribe. And in this tribe, they had no sense of humanity to this point, they'd found nothing wrong with murder. Murder was an acceptable daily practice. For any reason, if somebody upset you, it was okay to stab them with a spear. They they had no conscience about murder. They, they could, there was nothing wrong with it. And uh, I mean, for any reason, someone took your cupcake, you stab them. Someone took your girlfriend, you kill them. Someone, someone just made you angry that day, it's okay. And there's no repercussion, no guilt, no feeling of remorse. Nothing. They were trained that murder was just part of daily life. Folks, that's where we're taking our society today with life and humanity. It's okay to take life. And Ed, you raised your hand. You wanted to say something, and I kept talking because, well, I didn't want you to derail me. 
No, and I understand that. So those guys were the Alca Indians in Ecuador, yep. and they were so fearsome that they drove all of the other tribes away, and they drove shell oil out of exploring that area for oil. And right. so those missionaries were operating out of a shell oil airfield that had been abandoned, and, and so they used it to their own purposes. And in the end, those missionaries, those five men that went over there, by the way, when they went in, they said, hey, we don't need guns because we're ready to meet the Lord. Uh, so we're not taking guns. They go in and guess no, what? Excuse me. Excuse me. They had a rifle. And the Indians realized later they didn't use it. They could have. And they took arrows in the back trying to flee. I was going by what one guy said, what okay. the wife said. So uh, I, I'm going to take her word for it. So okay, I just read the book and saw the movie. That's all I know. So, okay. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, the uh, now the wives went back in. They raised mission. Now the one of the guys that killed one of the wives of the missionaries is now traveling to the United States giving his testimony. You know, with, with the grandson of one of those uh, one of those men. You know, uh, you know, it's a real cool story about that. That the story was in Popular Mechanics about ten years ago, because you know we talk about flying cars. And the Indians came to Steve, Steve Saint, and they said, hey, you know, you guys flew in and gave us the gospel. We want to share the gospel and all we can do is walk. We want to learn to fly. Can you imagine a Stone Age tribe learning to fly? fly yep. And Steve Saint built, and this was in Mechanics Illustrated, built a flying car for them to fly around the jungle to, to evangelize. <laughs> Uh, so, but back to make my point on this is here is a tribe that uh, didn't think murder was wrong. But once they found God, once they found Christ, they realized murder, murdering, taking the life of an innocent person is wrong. Yet here we live in this nation where we are playing fast and loose on, on how important life is. We now just made it legal to kill your child in Michigan. So what's the answer? The answer is, as Kara said, is going to be education. It's going to be conversation. It's going to be talking to these to these ladies. Do you know, as we said earlier, four in 10 women that sit in the pews today, four in 10 that sit in the pews today have had abortion. That 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 that's terrifying. Now Here's even a scarier fact for you. Two out of three women, by the time they hit in this nation, two out of three women in this country, by the time they hit age 40, will have had an abortion. And we sit back and realize he can do it. It's legal. If it's legal, it has to be okay. We have churches that won't talk about it from the pulpit. We have churches that will not talk to their congregation about abortion and the damage it does after having an abortion. They don't want to alienate those portions of the congregation that had an abortion and yet you would not know by looking at them. And yet that's why we need to strive to present mercy and grace and forgiveness from Amen, God brother. when we talk about it. And we do, we always have got to present the grace side and the mercy side of it when it's all said and done. Like I said, whenever I have the debates or the discussion, I promise them that I will bring my religion into it only at the end. And that here's the fact. If you've had an abortion, 
we have a loving and forgiving God. He loves you. Just ask him for forgiveness. He's quick to give it. He will not judge you for it if you just ask him. Once he forgives it, it's forgiven. He's not going to keep bringing it back up and, and shoving it in your face. Now, Satan might do that afterwards, but he won't. So don't let Satan in. Again, it's easier to get the devil out when he's knocking at the door versus when you've already let him inside. Um, great song uh, call, called uh, I Let the Devil In by Olivia Lane. I want to play that. to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. Mothers, I'm going to ask you to please talk to your daughters. No matter how young they are, they're being already hypersexually trained in schools. Mothers, talk to your daughters. Let them know that, yes, having sex outside of marriage is sinful. But also let them know that they can talk to you and that you'll be there. No matter what, you will be there and you will go through their struggles with them. Pastors, let them know that you can be, that you are willing to counsel without being judgmental. If we are going to beat the devil on this abortion game, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. It's going to be through prayer. It's going to be through education of our Lord. And that needs to start at the home and at our churches. But first, at the home. You had something to say, Ed? Mm-mm. You said it all. Well, darn. We still have we still have 10 minutes left of the show, and I said it all. We have nowhere to go from there. <laughs> well, I mean, we God, can elaborate. Just... I mean, uh, you know, uh, we can take calls, 734-822-1600. It's just such a battle against our youth and and our children, our 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 inheritance and the Lord's inheritance. Children are the inheritance of the Lord. And there's just this running battle to maim and dismember our children, both in the womb and post-womb. And it's it's uh, it's it's an illness that goes to the highest levels of our government now, and and it's you know it's it's inculcated in our media, and we have to do all we can to remove this this threat to our nation, to our children, to our grandchildren, this um, urging women, young women, girls to kill these their babies so that they can stay in the workplace or stay financially successful or to uh, basically provide employers for a con- constant workforce to where the employers are willing to pay for abortions across state lines and transportation and the like and, and yeah they'll they'll do anything to see babies killed off you know and while I'm rambling right now our nation is on the brink, if not having crossed over the replacement rate at which if we don't increase the number of babies we produce in this country, then economically we're going to crash. I, um, as much as the economics of this country concern me, and it does because we, we are becoming a third world country quickly and, and those numbers you just said are true. I'm I'm looking more at the individual. I, I through this whole. Oh, fact, I understand. I've heard, I've, I've heard this argument, folks, about women's right, and it it, it kind of goes back to something I had mentioned to uh, Kara earlier about the woman who's raped. But it's not just a woman who's raped. It's it's a woman is is fighting. Women are fighting to have some sort of agency over their own body, and for some reason they can't they can't have the agency over their own body when it comes time to say no. I don't want to have sex. Woman, it's okay to say, no, I don't want to have sex. If you don't want to have baby, it's okay to say no. And men, it's okay for them to say no. All right? That's where your agency is. The right to say no. Where your agency is lost is when your agency to have the right of your own body over, over supersedes the right of a child to have rights over their own body and live. You're picking the wrong place to find that agent. 
that agency. That agency is in the saying of no. Yes, people rape. Yes, people are molested. Yes, people are in sex trafficking. And, and, and children, innocent children are conceived in very bad situations, have been since the beginning of time. But let's not create two victims where there should be none, but there's one. Let's not create two. Kara talked about uh, having a few of her girls in her place that came in through the trafficking situation. They chose to allow their child to live. They chose not to punish their child over the sins of the people that basically raped these young girls. It's rape and sex trafficking, hard things to, to get beyond. And when a young girl gets pregnant, we, we can't fathom. First of all, they've got to go back and tell their parents how, how it happened, maybe. You want to talk about shame and hopelessness. When, when you are abused, your abuser often will threaten you when you're sexually abused. If you tell your parents, they're going to hate you because you allowed this to happen. Kind of like the young lady that was blamed for her own rape. They're struggling. And we can't take the sin of another and place it on them to where they're feeling that dread, that shame, that guilt. That is not theirs. If, if a woman conceives out of rape or sex, sex trafficking, which is rape, that's not their fault. Let's not start putting the shame on them for what some evil tyrant did. And maybe through that compassion that we show them and that understanding that we show them, maybe we'll have that right to show that compassion and that understanding to their children. But if all of a sudden we put that stigma to it, can you imagine what's got to be running through that young lady's mind? Well, they're, they're shaming me. They've kicked me out of the community. What are they going to do to my child? Well, the answer is I can have an abortion so my child doesn't have to face that. Parents, when you offer the suggestion of, or teachers or anyone else, when you offer the suggestion of an abortion, please understanding you are, you are killing your own legacy. Mothers, those children are your legacy. Something you're going to have to look back on every day of your life. I hope you do so with joy in your heart as they walk up and down the street with their hand in yours. And when you're old and sitting on that rocking chair, that child can come up and put that little shawl on your lap and keep you warm and tell you how much they love you. But they can't do that if you kill them before they even leave the womb. Let's remember that one of the purposes of God in creating this planet was to produce human beings. The ultimate goal, human beings that would have fellowship with God. And so the whole procreation thing is to produce godly children that will come to a point where they're in fellowship with God. So God had kind of a little bit of a selfish reason for making mankind, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, and that is the church. And I'm getting that to say, once again, children are an inheritance of the Lord. They belong to the Lord, it's not your right to destroy them. Or along the lines of the movie, Freedom, uh, Sounds of Freedom, God's children are not for sale. Well, they're not to kill either. No, uh, they're not. And. Uh... I don't know. I'm kind of flustered. I'm, I, remind me next week to tell you what happened to me at Myers today. Um, it, it, I could actually make the connection. Uh, I, I got accosted at Myers today. 
That's where you go to Costco for to get accosted. I not know. That's, I, I, I saw, you're in the wrong store. <laughs> I'm in Myers. But uh, we have come into, and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about next week when I share this story. We've come into a society where we are so caught up in finding ways to self-justify our brutal acts that it's more important to self-justify than to actually look for the justification of Jesus. Um, someone's got a note up for me on my camera now. It's stuck right on no, it's, it's my post-it note. Ask Rick about Meyer's story next so, week. I was just showing you. Yeah, it's uh, but it, it's a case where um, how the progressive left has, has looked for reasons to make us angry with each other, hate each other, and uh, tear each other down. It's What's happening today with our children in the womb? Um, how much time do I have left? There, that's music. That answers my question. Uh, folks, I love you all. Please talk to your kids. We'll see you next week on A Moment of Clarity. been listening to a moment of clarity on wham talk 1600 with your host pastor richard dietering be sure to tune in again next week right here on wham radio 